Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Half of this podcast comes from the Daily Mail. We are the Lene Kakua of podcasts. SI's Ross Dillinger. I was not catfish. I wouldn't call it that. I definitely had an online girlfriend. And SI's Pat Forty. Quoting an anonymous source who says they're 80% sure of something defamatory as hell? No, don't do that. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. I welcome the pod, and we are going to get to some football talk. This week zero, the hero. But first, we want to get to the Netflix documentary, Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. It's like a <laughs> Lifetime music movie. <laughs> it is. A.K.A. the I mean, Manti Teo story. We all, li- we all like worked through this particular Lifetime story. It was as weird as it gets. It was weird in every single way. It stars Manti Teo, former Notre Dame All-American linebacker. Renaya Tuiasasopo, who was at the time identified as a man, now identifies as a transgender woman. That was a twist in the movie. Renaya created Lene Kakua, cobbling together fake uh, or basically stolen photos of a pretty girl he knew and then played the role of of uh Lene to uh catfish and basically draw in all sorts of guys there was a lot of guys that got drawn in just Manti was the most famous uh including using a female voice to play the role of Lene Kakua and uh an elaborate scam that uh overcame the was a big play in the 2012 college football season one decade ago when uh Tui Asasopo told uh seeking a way kind of out of this this life he was living with uh Lene Kakua uh, said Lene Kakua died for uh due to leukemia after uh a, coming out of a coma for a car accident and uh Manti Teow dedicated his uh season to her and to his grandmother who died in the same day very dramatic story and went on to have this incredible season, including leading Notre Dame an average and above average, but not a great Notre Dame team to a 12 and 0 season and a spot in the national title game. And then of course it all blows up. Renaya basically reemerges as Lene Kakua uh, back from the dead. I think he told uh, the, You've seen the movie. I'm trying to plot this movie. I know, but as as you're going through this, it's like it gets more ridiculous. Yeah, you sound like you're making it up. This can't be real. Yeah, this is not real. That's the thing. He told he told them. In fact, this is not in the doc, but I remember from reporting it. He told the Manti that uh, Lene Kakua had gotten into some hot water with drug dealers in California and had to fake her death, or she was going to get killed. Like that was the excuse, and then she was back anyway. Manti was very, very confused, uh, basically told Notre Dame uh, about this whole weird situation. They uncovered that it was a scam. At the same time, Deadspin, among other organizations, were looking into it as this had started to filter away. Deadspin broke the story in January 20, 
2013, and as, as Manti was preparing for the NFL draft, all hell broke loose. Manti Teo became a punchline and a and then really the subject of of incredible intense online bullying. I'll be the first to say I'm sure I cracked some jokes and laughed myself privately about this. There are parts of the story that quite honestly are humorous, but but the overall bit of what it did to Manti Teo was was terrible. Lost his confidence. Lost, it just he's the victim of a very elaborate hoax from this guy. So I don't know if I filled that in, but ten years later, here's the story, and Manti's really laying it out for the first time in this untold segment on Netflix. And as you said, we all covered it. Uh, I think most people listening to this remember the story. Remember that season is easily one of the most bizarre things to come down the the pipe in college football. And if you know anything about college football, that's saying something. <laughs> There's always something bizarre coming. Down There's the always something this. bizarre, but the fake dead girlfriend is a new one and hopefully never yeah. to return. So uh, Pat watched, uh, Ross has watched, we've all watched. I'll just let you say general thoughts here. Ross, why don't we start with you? You watched it before Pat, so you get to go first. Yeah, I thought it was great. It was, uh, you know, I, it, it's been long enough what, 10 years, right? Yeah, around 10 years or so, 10 to 12 years, where I'd, I'd just kind of forgotten a lot of the details. So it was always cool to to kind of be reminded of some of this stuff. And, uh, you know, as a journalist, uh, and I think all of us maybe thought this way too, the most interesting parts were, to me, were like uh, kind of how Deadspin handled the story, how they got the tip, the email, uh, the process they went through. You know, if you guys remember, I mean, the Deadspin story well, I, you know, I think it included some lines in there that suggested that Manti was was in on this. Uh, and if I do recall that a ESPN pulled out a couple of those lines and ran them across the ticker about how basically saying, suggesting he was involved. And uh, <laughs> funny oh, how they yeah. never mentioned that in the documentary. Hey, that 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 was that was just kind of completely left out. So that let was me let me bring that, that up as a point. Absolutely. Deadspin wrote, quote, a friend of Renaya Tueyasasopo told us he was, quote, 80% sure, end quote, that Manti Teo was, quote, in on it. And the two perpetrated Lene Kukua's death with publicity in mind. So he's 80% sure not only that Manti was in on it, but he's 80% sure of the motive. Uh, and it went on to cite, Quote, this one's incredible. Another relative of Renaya's who, quote, believed Teo had to know the truth, end quote. That's straight opinion. But right, they're just those assuming. two lines, this story must have had 20 million readers. I mean, this thing had to have been an absolute monster. The way the story was framed is Manti not only knew about it, was in on it for 80. He cannot run anything that says 80. I'm 80% sure. Uh, except the weather report. But the motive of publicity, that framed everything in this story. Because not only was Manti part of the fraud, he was trying to gain from the fraud by tricking people. And that is a powerful bit that turns the public against you. Go ahead, Ross. Sorry. Just wanted to make sure we had the no, exact yeah, that- wording. Yeah, that was my big observation is that they left out a very important note in the story. I don't story. know how that got left. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and because they interviewed both guys who, who worked on the on the story. And uh, obviously, they you know they did a great job tracking down things and, and all that. But uh, but yeah, that was a um, uh, that that story probably needed an editor to uh, to comb over a couple of those sentences. A couple of things. First off, like broad strokes, it's an incredibly compelling documentary for i think one big reason you got the catfisher and the catfish e to open up completely okay you got both manti teo and you got renaya Sopo to lay it all out there and so so when you're writing a story or you're producing something like that if you get the two main characters to give you everything basically then you you've, you're off to a very good start right there and they were very human you know Teo is in tears at the end of the thing and goes on a very impassioned kind of speech about kind of everything he went through and how he's trying to 
come out of it. And then uh, Toyasa Sopo sits there and says, yeah, I've, I've changed genders and this is everything that went into that. And here's who I am now. And I mean, it's like, wow. Okay. So yeah, there was some, there was also some things that were very much glossed over. And I think the simplification of this, uh, the narrative and, that's a very big one that Ross brought up and that Dan just amplified on is there was some uh, wildly irresponsible parts of the dead spin story. It was a huge scoop and credit to them for getting it. And I, I would like to know who initially gave them the tip. Where did that, I mean, you know, the yeah. dead spin's not going to say, none of us are going to, going to give away that source. That's not what we do. But I was intensely curious about where they got the initial tip. But anyway, beyond that, Quoting an anonymous source who says they're 80% sure of something <laughs> defamatory as hell? Whoa. Uh, no, don't do that. That's the first red but, flag. There's 20% there that's missing. 20% yeah. that's missing. Yeah, yeah. A big 20%. A big 20%. How about a, a, another relative believed Teo had to know? What is that? Yeah. It's like double <laughs> neg, double speculative, yeah. double hypothetical. Yeah. I my think uncle he Slim, had to know. He had to have known, yeah. right? My uncle Slim said he had to know. Had so, to know. Okay. Like he didn't know. So it's funny. At the time I went back and looked Saturday night, I was I was, I was a little concerned. Like, what did I write yeah. out of this? I didn't really remember. I was working for Yahoo then, and I read the column. It was okay. I I I said I believed Notre Dame's story. I found that their explanation believable, but. At the time, yeah, they, I mean, just the, the outpouring. I think people felt so burned to a degree by the story, you know, the, the whole thing. And it, it was kind of, it was, it was a self-check for us, us in the media, too. It's like, oh, yeah, we all bought that. Well, we were stupid. So let's turn on Manti. He's an idiot. He's a sucker. Maybe he's a liar. I mean, the, the, the overreaction the other way to perhaps compensate for the media not doing its own job very well uh, I think was probably commensurate to part of the uh, reaction to this. Yeah, there was, um, I, I went back and looked too. So I was, I covered the Notre Dame Michigan state game. That was right after Lene's uh, unfortunate uh, leukemia uh, loss of the battle with leukemia. Although apparently not <laughs> fake leukemia, the fake was the, the non, I don't know. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the, the, whatever happened when, when he thought he was dead, so I covered that game, and it was the story of the game. The broadcast is talking about everyone's talking about this, you know, this poor kid uh, loses his grandmother and his girlfriend the same day, and so he plays great. They win. Notre Dame was like I, I wrote the uh, part of the column was 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 man time. Part was the Notre Dame. And they got the three and zero, and it's like, hey, this isn't too bad. Didn't did not think there's you know, this was not going to be a national title contender, but they end up getting there. So Manti after is uh, we're out in the side of the, like outside behind one of the end zones at Notre Dame. They had, uh, they used to do the interviews kind of out in the, we were out in the parking lot or like where the bus kind of would wait. They have a more uh, elaborate facility now. Uh, and Manti was talking about it and this and that. And then I remember I talked to a bunch of his teammates and they were talking about, yeah, Manti said this and uh, Robbie Toma was there. He was a player who's in the documentary and he knew him from Hawaii and Jack Swarbrick and Brian Kelly are talking about it. So I don't feel too bad about running. The, I mean, you're not going like, wait a minute, everyone here is saying there's a dead girlfriend. I need to check the death record, especially on deadline. So I do. Re I remember filing the story and, you know, it's like this, this kind of feel good story. And I do remember taking the elevator down at the after it's like two in the morning. And I remember thinking, I need to try to call that family in like a couple weeks as this dies down. Like, I mean, if your sister, your daughter, your anyone you know has a boyfriend and you could speak that nicely about them, you would want that. Like he could not have been nicer. He was talking about how great she was and how much she meant and all this different stuff. Like it was pretty incredible for a college kid to talk that. No, it's usually it's like, yeah, she's cool. You know, like we hung out a couple of times. Instead, it's just over the top. He just has a very expansive way of talking and all this stuff. And of course, I forgot to do that. I wish I had tried to find them because maybe that I would have been like, wait a minute, there is no parents. But the story, the story just took off. And I did not write again about Manti uh, again until uh, until the thing broke. So but I when it broke, I, too, and I, I, I don't know whether I think Jack Swarbrick, who's in the movie in the movie also 
was he might have uh, been calling around like he he went strong for Manti, like a lot of credit for an athletic director in the middle of that to defend a player at that level. Like he got yeah. up there and gave a press conference at a time when a lot of people are running from Manti Teo. And he is the biggest. He is not. Po- First off, it's like a punchline. And then he is like persona non grata because he's he's the cheat. He's the trick, you know, he conned us. Jack Swarberg and Notre Dame were standing tall. And I think he was calling around. I don't know. But I remember my next couple columns, I very much thought Notre Dame's view of this was probably correct because I just trusted that as an institution was not going to go that far out on a limb if they hadn't, if they knew it, right? If they knew what was up. So it was a very interesting story that, but it very quickly went to, you know, he had, he's in on it. And then everyone going, you know, he was doing it to try to win the Heisman and he's this, and how couldn't he know about it? How could you be so naive? And the one thing I think that this, this documentary did is particularly in that first hour in talking about, uh, Renea and, uh, Manti is they really showed who they were and Manti oldest of seven in a, a family in the, uh, Church of Latter-day Saints, and he's living on this island, and he's very isolated, very insular community, very naive guy. Chose Notre Dame over USC, where he actually wanted to go because he thought God spoke to him through a a, a staffer at the you know at the uh, at the offices, and you know got to South Bend and didn't seem to know it was going to be cold, and just a very very ice, just a very trusting kid. When I thought when I saw that, I can see more on how he got roped in to this whole thing and then leaned into the story that whole season as more and more people uh, asked him about it. Yeah, that was one of the best parts of the documentary was showing who he was and how he grew up. And and it it does make it 100 percent more like, oh, I can I can see it. You know, I mean, because most of us, it's like what you you quote-unquote dated a girl for three years and you never saw her it doesn't even make any sense and then you get to know okay who is this kid and how was he you know raised and everything and you know super dutiful obedient just put your head down and say yes sir to everything and do your best you know and that's that's who he was and I think you know you so a lot of times oldest kid I was the youngest I never listened to my parents the oldest kid listens very well to the parents a lot of times and uh, I think that that probably is kind of his whole thing. Listen to authority, trust what people tell you, do what you're supposed to do. That can be a really good trait, but it could also perhaps get you scammed epically. I uh, I was struck, Dan, you kind of mentioned uh, about like uh, for a story, reaching out to the fake girlfriend's family and everything. And that, that when I wasn't a national writer at the time, I, I remember covering Jackson state or something, or maybe Missouri. But I remember, you know, one of the big things as we know as journalists is, yeah, we like to, to call as many people as possible. We're writing like feature stories. And when I was watching the documentary, that's what struck me was, dang, I know there were writers who wrote features who probably tried to reach her or her family members. And for whatever reason, got it, got a dead end, but didn't necessarily get a, she's fake. You know, but but probably ran into like a dead end and uh, just thought, you know, and I probably would have done the same. Like, well, I'm not getting this interview because that happens quite often when you uh, and they really made a big deal out of that on the show, on the documentary. And I I get it. I thought it was convenient that they they left in a lot of the stuff from Deadspin or they left out a lot of the stuff that we talked about earlier, how Deadspin, you know, had a couple of lines in the story that ended up being inaccurate, uh, suggesting that Manti was in on it. But they included all the stuff about how just blasting the national media for not uncovering this themselves, uh, specifically targeting ESPN for not for not finding this. And it it's it's I mean, they didn't find it either until they got the tip. So I don't know. I, I just uh, I thought that was all interesting. Uh, but it did occur to me like, man, I know writers probably tried to reach like I think SI had a cover story, you know, on Manti in. Um, I, I know they, they probably try to reach the family. And once you get into it, you know, you get into a, uh, a dead end. And, and I think we can all say when we've been writing features and we've tried to reach out to girlfriends, families or aunt and uncle or whatever. And, and, you know, people sometimes just don't want to talk. And I think that's probably I bet a lot of writers just assume that. 
Yeah, I mean, um, former podcast member Pete Thamel wrote that cover story. Uh, that was a big part of the story was Manti's, you know, dead grandmother, dead girlfriend. And I I know Pete, like, tried to contact Stanford. That was part of the ruse. She was a student at Stanford or whatever and find out information there and and was rebuffed because it's a private institution. They don't have to tell you anything about any of their students. They don't confirm or deny. I think that was the roadblock there. I don't want to speak for Pete. But, you know, uh, to your point, yes, I, I, there were people that made efforts to flesh out the story and just didn't get it fleshed out. And maybe there should have been more efforts, maybe not. And then, you know, once that became the narrative, it just built and fed on itself all season long. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it was a failure to, there was no, no doubt it was a failure. It's also like, if you're interviewed, like you said, like there were people like, Robbie Thomas in the thing going, yeah, I heard her voice. Yeah. Like when you have a, when you have a, a guy being like, oh yeah, yeah, that's has been his girlfriend. I mean, it's just so bizarre that it's like, I, I get like, ha ha, the media got the story wrong. Yes, they did. We all did. I, I, I wrote about a dead girlfriend that did not exist. Whatever. Like, again, I'm not checking all this stuff at, at the, on deadline. Who cares? It was a feel good story. Uh, like no, there there are no victims. Innocent people did not get harmed because Manti Teo thought he had a girlfriend. I would posit that he did have a girlfriend. The girlfriend just happened to be male and was impersonating a female. He had a relationship yep. with uh, Renea, and he was being tricked into it. And yep. he was told that his that. Lanai is gone and the emotion is exactly the same. He thought she died and he did. It wasn't like there wasn't a girlfriend. Like I have this girlfriend I talk to every night, but you actually don't. Oh yeah. You should meet my girlfriend right back home. And there's no girl. He was talking. He did have an emotional relationship <laughs> with this. Bird. It was like at the same time. Now, did he like go in on some of the, well, you know what she like? Oh yeah. We, we met and all that. Yes. And I kind of get, though, I mean, a lot of people like he leaned in. He did. And yes, and I, he should have been like, well, hold on. But if you're sitting there and you're getting interviewed for game day and they're got the cameras on, you're like, well, hold on. I didn't actually meet. Like, I get why he didn't correct it. Right. Right. You know, and it's sort he of snowballs. Like, it's like, eh. Right. Well, at that one point where like Chris Fowler's interviewing him at the Heisman <laughs> ceremony and he was a finalist and he was the runner up. His he eyes were glazed over the like, Heisman, oh, the crap. Right. What do I yeah. say? It was like, I just got to get through this answer. Right. You know, he was he also I mean, he wanted to even after she came back to life, he still <laughs> wanted to, he wasn't like dumping her. Let's just think about that sentence. There. I know. I'm sorry. I'm not going to I'm not. I apologize to any hardship I gave to Manti Teo. The poor guy got killed, but there are some funny parts. I'm like when, yeah. when she eluded the drug dealers and reemerged to life, <laughs> the fake drug dealers in California. No, I mean, this is like, I don't know the story. It's sad. It's a sad story, but my God, where do we get this? Yeah. He the still wanted to hang out with her though. Line meets. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, well, he's like, that's when he goes back to his family for Christmas. He's like, um, I'm confused. Uh, Lene may actually be still alive. <laughs> right then and there. Oh, boy. All right, <laughs> I have to, I have a, um, I have something to reveal. Uh -oh. I was uh -oh. not, oh, I was no. not catfished. I wouldn't call it that. I definitely had an online girlfriend, like 15, you know, 18 years ago. Well, I was probably in junior high, so 20, 20 years ago, I guess now. And, uh. I now think back that she might not have been real. Might not. Really? What? I don't know. I think back to like some of the pictures, some of the things she said, and I'm like, huh. So anyway. So is this like this was something like an AOL instant messenger yes. thing or yes. whatever? It was like oh, meeting wow. the chat room, you know, yeah. and you you message yeah. each other. I mean, yeah, it was weird. That was a weird time. That was a bizarre time of like uh, online, you know, if you're and I was in I was in like junior high ish, early high school and all all that was, you know, the Internet was booming and the group AOL group chat, you know, late 90s, around oh, yeah. 2000. And yeah, it was like the thing to do. Let's just sit in the chat room and see if I can meet somebody, you know, and you would put your little 
15 M 15 years old male. And then, you know, you put your height and your weight and, Yikes. you know, all that good Yikes. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Dan's like, ah, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Who knows who that was? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Also, Ross California. Also, had his own Lene Kakua moment. She, cl- oh, she claimed I, I, to live in California. But she, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's a great state to be. Ah, oh, it's a big state. Yeah. You don't know. People don't know a whole lot. Uh, it was like a couple weeks later at the Super Bowl. And Ray, someone asked Ray Lewis about it. And he's like, yeah, I've probably been catfished one or two times now that I think about it. Or something. <laughs> yeah. And he just laughs and he's like, whatever. This was the problem with the story, okay? And uh, he talked about crisis management, like his agent or somebody put him up to crisis management. Per usual, the crisis management was the worst advice you possibly could have. Totally. Absolutely terrible crisis management. So this kid, if if... Deadspin hadn't framed the story. You knew it and you did it to win the Heisman because you could tell they had a lot of animosity. It felt like to Notre Dame, like Notre Dame's this mythical thing, right? If you hadn't had that and you hadn't handled it the way they did with him hiding, he did a, he did an interview with Jeremy Schapp, but not on camera. Then this incredibly awkward, awful Katie Couric sit down with his parents sitting next to him, Right. It reminded me, this is about the same time of the Tiger Woods. How did Tiger Woods handle his, oh. his scandal? Manti need to come out, stand in front of everyone and be like, listen, good looking girls, hit me up. T- you know, I'm responding. Good. She calls. She to play those tapes right away. Sounded like a girl to me. Whatever. I never met her. I wanted to meet her. Look at she's pretty. A lot of people hit me up. I'm an idiot not too good at love, whatever, laugh it all off and move on. Instead, it was taken deathly seriously. It's the same thing with Tiger. If Tiger had just come out and said, I am a horrible husband, like potentially one of the worst you will ever have. I never should have got married, but I'm going to be a good father going forward and I'm going to play some golf. We might not have years of like, remember we went to sex therapy and like all, you know, took all this time. It became like the, he did a serious press conference. He's in like a black oh, suit. Yeah. Like it was so bad. It was all, his mom sitting so there. Bad. The crisis management, they are horrible. Don't hire crisis manager, hire a journalist who will go. That's a bad idea. I'm going to rip that thing <laughs> apart. It was the worst way. They made Manti look guilty. He looked so, he was so shell shocked and nobody wants to talk about whether you're gay or not with Katie Couric. And your parents sitting next to you. <laughs> like, and he's like, also, oh, just far a, from it. Just a sign of the times, right? That that would be a question asked on a national broadcast. Yeah, that would yeah be by okay. America's sweetheart. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, it's be like, look, yeah. man. I was thinking, yeah, that was like years before Michael Sam, you know? And, and I think Michael Sam was a big paradigm shift because that happened and everybody was basically like, oh, okay. You know, before that, oh, man, you could not be a gay football player. No well, way. Well, at that same Super Bowl, Chris Culliver of the 49ers said he didn't want any gays in his – he wouldn't be a, wouldn't accept a gay teammate. I don't want – you know, and he had a couple of kind of – not kind of slurs about gays, and he felt comfortable enough to say on a radio broadcast. Now, it became a big thing, and he had to apologize, but in the NFL and in college football – that was the prevailing wisdom, or at least believed to be the prevailing wisdom. You could not be gay in football then. You can, maybe you could be gay now. I don't, it's not easy. There's a couple people out. That's it. But back then, just 10 years ago or nine years ago, it was completely. And so Manti now has to suffer through that as everyone's calling him gay. And it's like, how do you prove you're not gay? I mean, he is married now and has a child. We know that, but. Why do you even have to deal with that? No, one of the big things I, I came away with is the sympathy. You 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 feel for him. He was really can't can't say the F word on here, I don't think, but he was mine effed, right? I mean, he was just mine effed. I mean, he was. And you come away with just this sympathy for this this kid who was obviously gullible, somewhat sheltered, as you mentioned, you know, like literally uh on an you know, from an island and just kind of sheltered, gullible. And uh, found somebody that uh, he could talk to and share things with who was just stringing him along the whole time. It just uh, it's like I kept thinking throughout the whole thing, like, uh, gosh, there are so many better ways to end this for if you're Renaya 
there's because she clearly wanted to wanted to end it several times and then like the first time to make up the whole dead and you can hear a breathe and she obviously was fake breathing i mean that's like what are we doing like like uh just like there's so many different ways to end it like why would you fake breathing from a hospital but just bizarre how about manti as boyfriend of the year okay (laughs) can you get a better dude than this yeah he's getting he's getting no action yeah (laughs) (laughs) nothing He's a college kid, an All-American, a huge star. He's getting no action, yet he will talk and communicate with this person at all days at nights, talk every night, support them. When they get in a car wreck, he would talk to their comatose self to try to get them to come out of the coma. They come out of the coma, girlfriend gets leukemia, I mean... This is kind of a downer of a girlfriend, right? Like, it's not exactly the most fun girlfriend. Never seen you. You get in a wreck. You got such bad luck. You now have leukemia. Sticks with them through that, trying to nurse her through leukemia while playing football at Notre Dame and wants nothing more than for her to exist. This is a great boyfriend. Mrs. Teo uh, probably has herself a heck of a catch there. The real Mrs. Teo. Not the, the real Mrs. Teo has got a great guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what I took that and and how I, I hadn't thought of how Renaya was able to really use the the same religious Polynesian angles to talk to Manti in the world that he understood. I didn't yeah. realize how naive he was. I remember that night talking to him, and I think I talked to him one other time at a different game uh, his junior year, and he was very, you know, he's just got that This there's some of those guys are really immature like they're just, and you could tell it's about football for this guy, right? And so he's not worldly. He's not, they don't have money. People are like, why didn't he fly to California? He didn't have money either. You know, now you could and just how so then how insular that is and how Renaya was able to parlay off of that and and Renaya targeted a lot of athletes like that from the Polynesian community and it worked I mean that's the amazing thing it was, was not the first guy and so crazy it, it, it's interesting there's no uh is there any like legal recourse here I mean this person probably you know cost Teo a lot of money I don't know if there's a civil case i guess there's not because they would have probably mentioned it on the dock if how do you prove though you dropped in the draft how do you prove it yeah right it's hard it is yeah but boy that documentary i if i was on a jury and watched that documentary i i don't know how much money renaya has but uh certainly them being afraid that you're in on it and or gay were huge things for the nfl the nfl was not gonna i mean he's he was a very very good college football player and I think you can make that case. I, I, I just you guys' thoughts on this. I thought they went way too easy on Ronaya. Yeah. Oh yes. yes. Absolutely. You ruined this dude's uh, life. Almost made her sympathetic. Yeah. To me, it was almost kind of like they were trading for access. All right. Yeah. You tell us everything, we'll go easy on you. Deadspin, you tell us everything, we'll leave out the problematic parts of the story. Yeah. They they made this like there was no bad guy really, and they're right. really very clearly was well they, they good kind for of as two sympathetic figures when really you know should have been just one yeah and i even saw this quote from manti that he like he after watching it he understood what deadspin was doing more i don't think manti ever read the original story because if he read the original story and saw that they were 80 percent sure he did it for publicity he might think it differently so very very interesting uh documentary if you haven't watched it uh recommend it of course and uh, if more comes out of it, we'll uh, we'll keep talking about uh, untold good college football doc. There aren't a ton of there aren't a ton of good ones. So this was uh, this was definitely it. Searching for NBA playoff coverage, we've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. 
Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, it's football. It's week zero. We have some other things breaking quickly. Texas names Quinn Ewers, their quarterback, starting quarterback. The Ballyhooed recruit will start from day one. Not a huge surprise to anyone paying attention, was it, Ross? No, no, not at all. Uh, But Quinn continues to be um, the most hyped quarterback who has taken less than three snaps in a college game of that I can ever remember ever, uh, you know, chalk it up to the NIL recruiting era that we're in. But uh, no, not a surprise that that he won. And now he'll have the ability to prove himself, especially week two when the tide roll into town. Yeah. um, I mean, I think they were headed this way all along and Sark even said July, early July at big 12 media days said we won't go as long into the process as we did last year to name our starter and then it still went, I think, a little longer than some people thought. And people were getting very nervous, like, oh, my gosh, yours isn't as good as we thought. And Hudson Card's going to be our guy. Oh, no, we're doomed. Yours is going to be the guy, for better or worse. We'll find out. And, yes, he is. he's had a lot of hype. He's made a lot of money. He has yet to do a damn thing on a college football field. Doesn't mean he won't, but he's going to carry a lot of pressure with him to produce and produce immediately. All right, leaving Texas on this, uh, Michigan Wolverines. Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy still in a battle, even as the season approaches. In two weeks of the opener, Jim Harbaugh has not named a starter and says the competition is ongoing. Uh, McNamara was the primary starter last year. Maybe he started every game and obviously had great success for uh, for Michigan. McCarthy's the former uh, five-star, high four-star recruit with a ton of talent. Came in in spurts. What do you think we're going to do here, Pat? Who's going to win well, out on I, this? First of all, we won't know until like warmups before they play Colorado State because you sure can't give a team as flush with talent as Colorado State any idea which quarterback they're going to be facing. So, uh, because they're two different guys, this is what coaches do. It's like, you know, do we make them prepare for a more of a thrower or more of a runner? Uh, McNamara is is more of the or McCarthy. I'm sorry, is more of the running threat. McNamara is a little more of a pocket guy. My gut says Harbaugh likes McCarthy a little bit better. He made sure he played him last year, even though McNamara did a very good job. And I think because he wants to keep JJ McCarthy around, and I think he probably thinks he has the greater upside, or at least he did coming out of last season. I can't say that I've learned anything different since then, but. Uh, my guess is it's going to be J.J. McCarthy, but neither of them would surprise me. And with a schedule that starts, Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, Maryland, all at home, who the hell cares? Doesn't matter. Could he play them both? Is he a, is he a, I don't know if they've done that before. Could he? And also this dynamic uh, is taking place at a lot of places where uh, the, the, you know, the top two uh, quarterbacks in the running, one is more of the runner, one is the thrower, and what is this? coach want to do i mean that's happening in lsu too you know you got the runner jay yeah. daniels against happening at cincinnati Nussmeyer. as well mm-hmm. yeah. it's like what kind of scheme do you want do you want do you want to run the quarterback a, a lot of people down in baton rouge think they will end up going with with the with the runner at least to start the season uh with Jaden. but um yeah it, it seems like that's a dynamic playing out at, at quite a bit of places and i wonder if some of these places might you know the quarterback competition might extend into the season and you play them both well, that was my yeah. Uh, well, I think they're going to play both. I think, I think McCarthy's going to be the quarterback, but we'll see in the, in the long run. But as Pat said, you got a month to uh, to do it. Michigan, of course, is famous for the most awkward quarterback dual quarterback deal, where they would play uh, Tom Brady and Drew Henson would each get a quarter in the first half to prove which one was best, and then at halftime they would decide and go with the second half. And they continually chose the wrong guy, right? I mean, didn't they choose Drew Henson quite often? They chose him a lot, and then they, he blew the Michigan State game, and then Brady came in and almost saved it, and that was the end of that. But yeah. um, in hindsight, <laughs> it was Brady. Just barely, just a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to go Brady there. I was going to ask you, Ross, about uh, the Nussmeyer, Jaden Daniels. So Jaden Daniels comes over from Arizona State. Is the buzz on that? that I mean, here's a guy you know is a proven commodity just seem like you bring him in as a transfer would you not play him uh there's a possibility i you know obviously 
Uh, there was a three-man battle until recently. You know, Miles Brennan is stepping away. Basically, it sounds like retiring from football. Um, he's the sixth-year guy who started in 2020, got hurt, was going to be the starter last year, got hurt right before the season, uh, wearing flip-flops on a boat in Tripped, I believe. Uh, poor, poor kid has had quite the luck. Um, so that was a three-man battle with, um, with you know, Brennan was was you know, didn't have a whole lot of mobility but had a huge arm, obviously. It was pretty accurate. And then Nussmeyer, I think it was a blend of both kind of that, you know, kid can move. He's mobile. Also with a pretty good arm. They really like him. They really they thought he stood out really well in the spring. And then of course Jaden you know, Jaden has has that big time mobility to escape escape from the pocket. Jaden, I heard, didn't have the best spring. In fact, I think after spring. Uh, I think they indicated uh, to Miles Brennan that, you know, he was kind of in the mix because Jaden kind of uh, struggled somewhat through through the through spring practice. Uh, I think that uh, he's got better and um, I, they they do like the, the Nussmeyer kid. And it seems like a really heated battle between the two. And that's one where maybe they do early in the season end up playing both of these guys maybe. Or if one struggles, you could see the other guy going in uh, pretty quickly. I mean, I'd love to see, I was looking forward to seeing Jaden Daniels, uh, who I thought Max, I mean, they, they had some guys at, at Arizona state for him to throw to and stuff, but just to put him in that kind of a talent gap, I thought was going to be really interesting. So we will see. There's also uh Walker Howard, who's their five-star recruit, uh, but he apparently is not going to play much this, uh, this year. Yeah. They're going to redshirt him. I believe quarterback derbies are going down. All over the place. Yeah, good one at Cincinnati. We'll see who starts. They that'll be one. They're playing Arkansas first game, and it's either you're going with the thrower or the runner. They ain't saying either way until that day. I guarantee it. Uh, Got to keep it quiet. Got to keep it hush hush. We'll sort oh, it yeah. out. We'll sort it out. Uh, Nebraska is uh, playing Northwestern Saturday in Ireland. We'll discuss this later in the week. Uh, we make some picks. Uh, obviously, huge game for both teams, but particularly. Cornhusker coach Scott Frost, who has got to be in a make-or-break season here. Uh, he made news last week when he uh, said the offensive line are working so hard they vomit 15 to 20 times per practice. It's uh, a messy practice field. No, <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. No guts, no glory, Pat. Not no guts, no glory. <laughs> he has come back to say he, quote, might have exaggerated, end quote. So I don't want to hear about Manti Teo saying he saw his Saw his girlfriend or didn't. This guy doesn't even know how many people are puking. And are any of them actually puking? Now, you see, believe nobody. Is this, is Scott Frost a Renaya Tolayasopo fabricator here or not? I don't know. But uh, he, it was interesting. That came out of his uh, radio talk show. And I looked at some of the other things that came out of that. I'm telling you what, Nebraska better look good when they, when they open because everybody's doing great. Everybody's doing so much better. This position, that player, this person. Scott Frost is not tiptoeing into this make-or-break season, which might be a miscalculation on his part, but we'll find out on Saturday when we, when foot hits leather. Pat last week uh, made a grave error. We have two things to clear up because I'll make I'll make yeah. my mistake too. I called Appalachian State Appalachian State. Yep. And the Appalachian <laughs> people got mad. <laughs> now there there is an appalachian mountains it's uh, that's how they pronounce it in all the northern part of the mountains it the range runs beyond just the south starts in the south goes all or starts i don't know where it starts it just runs all the way they got yeah. appalachian or in Alabama, mountains Alabama, in new hampshire Georgia. and vermont and maine and all that up there they call it the appalachian but down in carolinas they call it the appalachian and I called it the Appalachian. I'll give Appalachian State gets to call it whatever it wants because it's in Boone, North Carolina. So uh, forgive me, Father, I have sinned. I called the wrong Appalachian, whatever the stupid mountain. Pat also has a crime against the Catholics. I do. He said uh, Notre Dame all, was I a didn't... Jesuit school. I don't know whether Notre Dame got mad at that or the Jesuits uh -oh. got mad at that. <laughs> <laughs> mostly mostly the the... The Church of the Holy Cross, which I believe uh, administers Notre Dame, okay, the, yes. the, the, those folks and the Notre Dame people were were unhappy with me because they they did not want to be uh, considered Jesuits. So I apologize for that, and I do so more sincerely than Dan Wetzel's 
Appalachian Appalachian apology. Uh, this is not a correction, but uh, but I think we should tell our readers, uh, our, our readers, our listeners, uh, what uh, what email I received that last week about down from somebody in in England uh, about the Big Mac, the chicken Big Mac. <laughs> oh yeah, what did they say? He said it was great. He said it was awesome. He said it was amazing. Amazing sandwich. Said it was bloody unreal or something. <laughs> bloody right? unreal. That's I didn't right. know. Is that so you good know or he's bad? from London? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. We did have the call out to anyone who could get the chicken Big Mac. Yep. Which is simply a Big Mac up. with the two beef patties gone and chicken in there. Although after the Lene Kukua thing, I think we should need some proof that this guy's really in England. You know, <laughs> and has really listen. had the Big Mac. I, I, you know, he might just be in Philadelphia. Half of this podcast comes from the Daily Mail. Okay, so we are the Lene yeah, Kakua of podcasts. If we're going to start fact-checking, we're in trouble. We did a three-part segment on the Loch Ness Monster recently <laughs> that turned out to be like, what was that animal with the long It was neck? an alpaca. An alpaca, which I think I mispronounced yeah. too. You did. I appreciate you everyone telling me all the words I mispronounced. Yeah. I know it. All right, Dr. Pepper, Fansville is back. They did not hire me, although I had a request. I could do a three- commercial arc involving the Jimbo Fisher Nick Saban feud. I was not hired, so we'll see how good Fansville is this uh this season, but it is back. They have hired Bryce Young, uh Alabama quarterback to star in the Fansville commercials or make an appearance. Uh but we already have the Madden curse kind of thing going uh one year in because last year is uh DJ Ungle from Clemson and he had a a subpar season after getting in the Fansville commercial. So will Bryce Young break the Dr. Pepper slash Madden curse? Ross? I'll go, yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll go, yeah. How about that? It's like a real question. <laughs> you remember ESPN, I mean, they'd go, they had like Coors Light, cold hard facts. That was what they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd go, cold hard facts. <laughs> will the Packers win the NFC North? Like, that's not a freaking fact. That's an opinion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they will uh, okay <laughs> i just look bryce young's taking it on his shoulders there because i mean dj oyunglele went from hot to not i mean he was not good last year and i i hope for his sake he has a better season but we'll see if bryce young is dragged down by brian bosworth and all the other scrappers in those commercials i i am with ross that if i'm going to predict he is too good <laughs> to be stopped by the Dr. Pepper curse. He's got a better body of work than DJ. So I think uh, we'll, we'll see, though. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, that was a risk last year. I remember I remember uh, hearing from Dr. Pepper, because all my NIL covers, they reach out to me to give me like the exclusive on the story. And I was like, I was thinking, man, this is, ri- you know, this is risky on a, on a kid that's really never, uh, he only started, what, one game, right, in place of Trevor. Uh, Against Notre Dame? What's yeah. the Notre Dame game? It might have been right? two. Like, I mean, he played okay. extensively yeah. in two games. Might have only been one start. Yeah, it's just I remember yeah. thinking how risky it was. This one, not not as risky, I'm sure. But also probably the price. The price was uh, is a little higher. I'd, I'd, I'm curious of what they're what they're paying because I'm, I'm sure it's a, it, they had to fork over a few more dollars. Scandal at Oklahoma. Uh, a reader, this is on Reddit. A reader discovered they, the the Sooners put out a photo of the uh, bear, of all of their national championships, real or imagined, uh, at the or basically they just took a picture of like some trophy some trophy case. It's not a case anymore. Huge display inside the Barry Switzer Center, and uh, in the Barry Switzer Center, uh, they got them all lined up, but it includes. Uh, both the 1974 APN Coaches Championship. And in fact, the 1974 yeah. Championship Coaches Poll went to USC. Yeah. So Oklahoma yeah. commissioned a $30,000 Waterfall Crystal Trophy to replicate a national tr- championship they did not win. <laughs> wow. College football. That's pretty brassy. You know, I, and you know why they didn't win that one? Why they only won, I think it was the UPI as opposed to both of them? Because they were on probation. They were 74 and 75, both they were on probation. I believe they won the half of the national title that they could win in both of those years. 
but somebody else won the other half. Uh, USC was definitely it in 74. I don't recall in 75, but huh. that's uh, that's classic. This reminds me of uh, Auburn when Auburn went the year Auburn went undefeated uh, and, and yeah. couldn't get in, didn't get into the BCS championship game. And they put in the media guide, people's choice, national <laughs> people's champ, some, some <laughs> magazine or something called people's choice event. They, they had it in the, in the, in the media guide every year for, I don't know, four, six, eight years until finally somebody wised up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow. okay, now we won one for real in 2010. We can pre- quit pretending we won the one in 2004. Well, Alabama, the the the, the team oh. that does not need to yeah. make up or yeah. pat his resume has got all sorts of trophies. One year they lost oh, like yeah. three games, didn't they? Yeah, two well, or three games a couple uh, yeah. years they, and, and claimed a title. Yeah, they're they, outrageous. They, they, yeah. They have about five, they, probably five or six, right, that probably uh, they yeah. claim and shouldn't. They they still, I think they claim the 1973 championship, even though they lost to Notre Dame in the Sugar Bowl. Like, you know, I mean, both teams undefeated. One, one, one lost. Alabama still now we're the champions. It's the Lene Kakua of national championships. <laughs> uh, it's like Notre Dame cl- claiming they won it without uh that year they got steamrolled by Alabama with with Manti missing all the tackles. Uh yeah, I don't know. I it's uh, eagle eye though. How about I mean, you can't make a tro- I mean, yeah. claiming that well some obscure place gave us a tr- declared us national champs even though we shouldn't have is one thing. Literally just making up a trophy when you didn't win. <laughs> yeah. Like it's 1974, <laughs> like there was a tally, there was a newspaper coverage of this. Uh, not good by OU there. Don't, well, re- about, don't forget about- the incredible New York Times 2020 national champion. <laughs> the best. That was the best. Really. UConn oh, Huskies. Yeah. UConn, the New yeah. York Times giving it to the UConn Huskies uh, Randy for Edson not playing Huskies. and not spreading COVID. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I, I'm now looking up Alabama national championships. They claim 18, including the 1941 championship in which they claim because uh, they were named national champions by the whole gate system, whatever that is. That year they lost two games to the worst teams in SEC, his, probably history of the SEC, my alma mater, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. They lost to Vanderbilt and Mississippi State in 1941. <laughs> national title. And they're claiming national title. Awesome. Hey. I don't believe any national championships pre-integration first yeah that's, that's good it's a pretty fair line yeah. of demarcation yes yeah, 1970 would be a good good yeah, to, I, yeah. That, the walter mm-hmm. payton jackson state teams were going to win okay <laughs> those old tennessee state grambling like 20 21 starters made the uh, nfl mm-hmm. i think they might have beaten your squad just guessing but uh yeah let's get it together but oklahoma taking it to the next level that that is impressive. Yeah. That takes some real balls. Something was sent to us often because we love Iowa. Some guy proposed to his girlfriend in front of the butter cow display at the <laughs> Iowa State Fair. <laughs> they have a cow made of butter, and uh, at the Iowa State Fair because, of course, they do. <laughs> and uh, I much respect for this guy who who felt that that would be the spot to pop the question, got down on one knee, proposed. She said yes. And uh, only question I have is uh, Hawkeye or Cyclone fan? What do you think? I'm going Cy. Yeah, I'm going Cy because they're they're the big they're the bigger ag school. <laughs> so. I, I did a story last year or the year before, whenever, I don't know, on the, the Cyhawk rivalry and kind of like the demarcation of things. And yes, the Iowa, the Iowa people consider themselves more urbane and erudite <laughs> and look down their noses at the at the dirty boot wearing ag folks at Iowa State. So upscale this guy's, Iowa. This guy's on the yeah. clones. Yep. Lace curtain, Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ross, is he a Cyclone fan or a, or a Hawkeye? I, he didn't make uh, the butter cow. He just he could just have an appreciation <laughs> for butter or great yeah, cracking I, shit. I, I have no idea, but I'll go with Pat on that one. I'll just take <laughs> I'll, I'll take his uh, his knowledge yeah. and, and judgment there. Right. Iowa the, fan the would go to Chicago. They'd go to Chicago and do it properly or something. 
yeah big weekend right. away all right well we wish the couple uh, all the best here from the college football inquirer we uh, we want to know like are they going to honeymoon someplace where they have like they should go <laughs> to like india or something where they also revere cows they're like you mason know. city there's like a there's a <laughs> there's a motel with a champagne uh, glass uh, jacuzzi and 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 a cow figurine <laughs> cow, cow <Yeah>. tipping <laughs> all right finally uh, I don't know quite what to say about this one. Uh, this is at a funeral, bringing funerals in. Quote, uh, here's the story from Sam- SF Gate. That's the San Francisco Chronicle. This isn't even my Daily Mail. Uh, we've all been to funerals. Uh, you know, somber times, serious times, right? Remembrance. Uh, how about a massive brawl broke out? <laughs> between up to 20 family members during a funeral for an elderly woman. On August 6th, leading to one injury, one arrest, and 20000 in damage. Oh, my goodness. Police responded to the Rolling Hills Memorial Park at 1.30 after several reports of a chaotic altercation, end quote, between 8 to 20 family members who were reportedly armed. Oh, gosh. Sergeant Aaron Pomeroy said it was an incident of family drama started between a brother and a sister attending their mother's funeral who did not go along, get along. Quote, it goes back many years, of course. Uh, the brother and sister were talking, got in an argument. Her boyfriend came over, encouraged her to walk away. The brother started beating on the boyfriend. That's when it escalated. It became a brawl, started to get calls. Uh, at one point, <laughs> the brother got in the vehicle with the intention of driving over his sister. Oh, my God. The brother damaged grass, knocked over and damaged headstones, vases, oh boy. broke a water main that ejected copious amounts of water and flooded the funeral plot. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> the driver reportedly knocked over the casket. Oh, oh no. Oh, God. <laughs> but the good news, <laughs> the quote, the body did not fall out. <laughs> that's a quote in a story. Yeah, that's a that this is, is not that, daily. Is this Daily Mail? No, or not? San Francisco mm. Chronicle is like a real okay. paper. All right. Lieutenant All right. Matt right. Stonebreaker reports that the body did not fall out. Oh, uh, the boy. brother then got out of a car, and a family member hit him in the head with a cane. That's how it. <laughs> Somebody had this on video, man. Love to see that. You know, there's this like is the, your old uncle with the cane. It finally comes through. Yeah, just oh yeah. <laughs> the worst California funeral since <laughs> Lene Kakua's. Yeah, there you, I mean, come there on. You go. <laughs> the, Holy no moly. body fell out of the casket because there was no body. <laughs> That's right. What the hell, uh, people? Do I got to scold you guys to kind of clean up your acts? You can't be driving over your sister at the funeral of your mother. <laughs> yeah, knocking I, over headstones, causing water flooding into the... They just dug the plot and it fills up with the water and then you knock over her... That mother would the be... The brother sounds like a problem. The brother <laughs> sounds like a real problem. <laughs> There's two sides to every story, but SanFranciscoGate.com yeah. here seemed to only gotten one because the brother... <laughs> He's arrested for felony assault with a deadly weapon and vandalism. You're calling some other extended relative who wasn't at the funeral. Well, eh. guess what Tommy did this time? The cane is the deadly Turned weapon? the funeral into Was a brawl, ran over his No, stones. no, the, the uncle that hit him with the cane, he's like a, that's like a, he's a hero. He, he yeah. subdued the, the wild brother who was knocking over caskets and, and headstones and trying to kill his sister. Uh, holy moly. That is one hell of a funeral. <laughs> yeah. You know, normally you see someone dressed up like that. You're like, oh, what, what, what do you all dress? Oh, I had to go to a funeral. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait till you, wait till you load of this, man. It was yeah. not your. <laughs> Here's you what this thing. <laughs> Rolling Hills Memorial Park. There's a lot of action there. Rest in peace, everybody. Hopefully, we could get all of them to subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> That's right. our ongoing push for, for the posthumous subscribers. Let's go. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. That's our pod. We'll be back Thursday or when? No, back Wednesday, maybe. Later this week, we're going to be back. We're going to make some picks. We're talking about the games this weekend. Actual college football.
It's coming. We've been babbling Ooh. on about virtually nothing <laughs> for months and months now. We, realignment and not much else. It, so, yeah. I congratulate us. It's not easy having a couple time a week podcast for a sport that only plays for like four months. <laughs> but we, we did it. And you, the listener, stuck games. through us, through, through with us. Yeah. Numbers are great. Thank you, everybody. We didn't even lose any from last year. Yeah. Like, I figured people would stop listening when the games ended. But no. Incredible. So, thank you. It's going to get ramped up big time. Let's go. Week zero. Talk to you later.